You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome to another edition of the Prologue on America's Web Radio. We're a weekly program bringing you introductions to writers and books you may not be familiar with. My name is Doug Dahlgren. I'll be your host for this next hour. I'm a writer. I've got eight fiction novels that are available. They're action thrillers, some you might just enjoy. You can find them through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, all the online sites, or you can visit my personal website, www.dougdahlgren.com. Now, we call this show the prologue because that's what it is. It's an introduction. And while those introduced are mainly writers, we love to bring you interesting people with just a good story to tell from other fields and other endeavors as well. So now, if you do not have a pen or pencil in in hand, I want you to get one. I want you to get something to write on. Because throughout this program, there's going to be information that we put out that you just might want to make a note of. Like this, for instance. If you or that someone you know has a book or that interesting story that just needs to be told, I want you to reach out to me through email. And there's two ways you can do that. There's Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com, or you can use Doug at DougDahlgren.com. I'd love to converse with you over email about your friend, yourself, whatever it is you'd like to hear on a future program. Now, our author this hour is a writer. He is a program assistant for the Georgia Center for the Book in Decatur, Georgia, and he's the founder and executive director of the Broadleaf Writers Association. Born one of five siblings in Orlando, Florida, he's lived in Miami, Phoenix, Arizona, Palatka, Florida, and in North Atlanta, specifically Forsyth County, where he graduated from high school. His credentials include two major books in print and having been featured on NPR, in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Publishers Weekly, Baby Got Books, and Self-Awareness. Nominated for the Sideways Award in 2010 in Alternative Fiction, he's currently finishing work on a new project, a middle-grade fantasy briefly titled The Storyteller, and he's getting started on an upcoming book, He's calling Writer's Block. Now, before we bring him on, I have to acknowledge, as I try to every week, two groups of listeners that we're extremely proud that we have here on America's Web Radio and the Prologue. First, there's our folks who are serving us in the armed forces stationed all around the world. They're working hard to keep us safe back here at home so that we can live our lives as so often we take for granted. Freedom's not free, folks. It's bought and paid for daily by our men and women in uniform. And we thank them for what they do. And we're also grateful that they listen to our program. I also want to mention some other brave folks, first responders here at home. They're so close we overlook them. That's those police, fire, and EMT personnel, the ones that rush to our aid when we get in trouble and need help. Our thanks to each and every one of you for what you do, and thank you for listening. Now, our featured book this hour is on a subject often equated with politics as the third rail in any discussion. Beliefs are very important to all of us, whatever they may be, and religious beliefs are always at the top of that list. As with most things, one can get too close 
to the operations or the mechanisms that drive any enterprise. There's an old saying about not watching how the sausage is made. There's a business side to religion. We all know it. Bills must be paid, and money must be raised for that. Many of us have been drawn into that level of their church, and many of those have come away with the experience that was, well, let's just say somewhat less than warm and fuzzy. Now, our guest tackles that subject courageously, and he does so from the perspective of a man with his tongue planted firmly in his cheek. This is your prologue. Timothy Webb teaches elementary school. While quite satisfied with himself, his wife Kelly would love the trappings of life that an elementary school teacher cannot provide. So Timothy seeks a new job. The world's greatest corporation is seeking a new CEO. They do this every 33 years. Timothy applies and is interviewed by the current occupant of the title. The outgoing CEO, named Billy, likes Timothy. He shows him around, shows him the lifestyle, the penthouse, all the trappings that go with the position, and he offers Tim the job. He has to, he has to deal with what we might call a board of directors. There's 12 individuals, including one who believe that he should have been the next for that top-level job. There's also a powerful adversary, one who seeks to destroy the corporation completely and is after the prize, a key kept by the CEO, which is the essence of his power. The book is full of symbolism and comparisons to what we have in our world today. The job Timothy goes after is not an ordinary executive spot. It's one that requires a specific name change. Timothy Webb becomes Timmy Christ. The book is titled Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ. The author, Zachary Steele, is with us today. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing great, Doug. Thanks for having good, me good, here. Good. Let me start right away. How? What kind of reception are you getting with this book? It's it's mixed. Obviously, um, I, I've been I've been gratified to to. I have a, a large number of connections who are, are very deeply into the um, the religious world, Christians mostly, and and those have actually been more favorable than I thought, and not. Not because they know me or any to that, anything to that degree, but because they they're they're actually glad that people are talking about the the business side of religion, not the paying the bills part of it, but the the image projection, getting ahead of the word. Now, am I correct to assume that we're not really going after the churches per se, but rather some of the people who uh, get to the leadership roles and becomes the shepherds of those congregations? Correct. Yeah, I, um, I, I am actually very fond of churches and very fond of the idea of organized religion because I do believe people need some center of, of belief and some place to congregate. Um, this is just this is just more of a, um, a satire on the the business the the corporate side of religion and and probably more directly geared toward the idea of a mega church more than your traditional small congregation gotcha now it's a difficult subject to broach mm-hmm. and again we said already it's a courageous thing to tackle but right up front sacrilege is not intended here is it not at all no no, I, it's, uh, I, I, I want to be able to encourage people to have a discussion. It's one of the things that I enjoy the most 
about this particular book is that that you're going to have your element of people who want to yell and scream from one side or the other but but more than what more than that what I want is um, to be able to sit down and have a, a good discussion about religion whether it's Christianity whether it's Catholicism whether it's Judaism doesn't really matter I enjoy talking about religion and I feel if people can educate themselves more about either what they believe or what other people believe that we can actually get along a little better maybe okay now in this book and there is a sequel we'll mention it a little bit more mm. uh, down the road here but there's a character of satan and she's she is a female she is a female it's a different take on things she's not your average run-of-the-mill devil is she she is not and 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 first and foremost i would like to say this is this is not an attack on women this is actually uh what i what i considered to be and again um as you said earlier with this being tongue-in-cheek um some of the images that i play with i play with from a humorous standpoint trying to to use humor to you know, inject some further attention to something, and and I've always been fascinated by, and I'll refer to it as the character of Satan. In that, um, I, I feel Satan represents a very, at the core, a very troubled soul. And in this particular story, I, I feel that God is taking Satan and trying to rehabilitate that image. And so, I wanted to have what would be a very compassionate and emotional image for the character and that is that is always going to be uh, the image of a woman before the image of your traditional man okay all right give us your author's pitch what uh, what can you tell the listeners that would make them want to buy this book well <clears throat> the pitch on this is is that <laughs> Timothy Webb is very much like everybody else we we have a very idealistic core and what we encounter in life has this tendency to disrupt or disrail or derail that idealism in favor of what other people want us to do and and Timothy Webb has the same problem only in the context of a very large corporation that runs Christianity and so I want readers to identify and and follow Timothy in the same way that they would want to follow a friend or a family member who's trying to follow their dreams, who's trying to make something good in the world, but keeps getting knocked down. Okay. So the point of the book really is to start a discussion. Very much so. Okay. What type of discussion would you like to see? Um, a very calm one, first of all, okay. <laughs> which is always important. Um, but I'd like I'd like for people to to have a little more empathy when it comes to beliefs, and whether they're my beliefs or whether they're somebody who's very staunchly Christian or whether they're they're you know in the Judea, into Judaism or whatever it happens to be. I, I feel like there's a disconnect when when people talk about beliefs, and we always want to argue from our side rather than understand what the other person sees. And I feel like if we can sit down and have a, a very good conversation about what you believe versus what I believe, we, we can come to understand each other a little bit better. Okay. Today, across the board, really, uh, and I speak to the churches in this country, um, attendance is down. 
I mean, they'll they'll admit that to you. And there's a certain uh, aspect of the economy, I think, that is affecting that. Uh, I could go into a, a personal idea that I have about generations and why things have changed so much. But the economy uh, is down. Discretionary incomes are down. So you've got the lottery and churches mm-hmm. is where people, you know, have to choose where they're going to spend that extra money. And... Uh, that desire for instant gratification sometimes takes over. The the churches are doing all sorts of things to try to pull people back in. And you see it in the Baptist church, the Methodist church, whatever. Do you see the pure message being lost in all of this desire to bring people in? I think it can be. I mean, I, I, I would probably say that, that that depends on each individual church, you know, and how they're going about it. But I think that it would be very easy to lose the message over the need to uh, connect with, especially with a younger audience, in that um, you may be able to identify with that younger audience based on things they are interested in. But if you're not really directly talking to them about the message, then when they do enter the fray, they're doing so with that connection, whether it's, you know, come and listen to music or, you know, you can wear more relaxed attire or something to that effect. If the message still doesn't resonate with them, um, they're not going to stay. Right. And it all comes back to that need. Uh, the need for people there, frankly, is is the fellowship, but also the money. Mm-hmm. People have to pay the bills. You have to keep the lights on. Yeah. And it's a, kind of a thing that was unspoken for many years because there's a certain generation that just took over and paid and built. And then the younger generations uh, grew to accept that as a way of life. They didn't see uh, the need to pay themselves because mom and dad did that. So, you know, there's all kinds of problems that we're having to deal with. And I think this this may be part of what generates what you're referring to in the churches, particularly the big ones who do draw large crowds, mm-hmm. uh, the, the money-making aspect of that. It, yep. it does, yeah. I mean, the larger the church, I think the larger the dollar becomes intermixed with the message. And so, um, again, as I, I had said, you know, one of, one of the main things I, I considered while writing this was, was the, um, the rise of mega churches and, and how it, it tends to be so much show. And, and the bigger the show, the greater the dollar that you have to spend. And, and now we're spending money on the show rather than spending mon- money on the word. Folks, we're listening and talking to Zachary Steele. His book is Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ. My name's Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to The Prologue on America's Web Radio. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren, on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. 
Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back. Again, my name is Doug Dahlgren. You're listening to the Prologue on America's Web Radio. Our guest today is Zachary Steele. And Zachary has a book that some might consider controversial, but it's really a tongue-in-cheek look at the business of keeping the doors open for Sunday business. The book is called Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ, and it is a very uh, respectful look at the business of operating a church. And as we were going into the break, Zachary was talking about the mega churches. Was there anything more you wanted to say about that? Um, no, it's just like as I was saying then about the uh, the dollar and and the show. Um, it, it just struck me that um, it was beginning to look more and more like a, a traditional corporation than it was uh, an attempt at at um, teaching people what to believe in or teaching people the way and um and so that that kind of gave rise to the idea of this book because um one i'm amused by that and two because um i i feel like people were were missing the message over the show now the mega churches and i don't mean to put words in their mouths but they would defend themselves by saying that they're doing what the people want they're drawing in huge crowds and they're giving the folks what they want to see and, and that's very true you know um I, I and i respect their right to uh to defend themselves and you know um in the end i don't disagree that they're still getting the word to the people it just, to me, um, seemed like the the show aspect of it is getting further and further away from everything I learned as a child from the New Testament, and um, I, I don't recall anything in there about you know lights and cameras and um, entertainment. Well, that's the truth, and and folks, something you can relate to if you're in the smaller churches, not the big mega churches, but even the smaller hometown churches. If they get to that point where the uh, special music from the choir is not the people you recognize, but somebody who has come in special just for that song, you're starting to go in a direction where you have to ask yourself, is that more important than the music? What did people come there for that morning? Uh, is that what you're kind of going for here? It, it is. It is. Um, you know, and I related also to you know experience the, the experiences that I had growing up in the church and um, and in, you know in, in my twenties being deeply involved in the church and um, they were recruiting me to become you know part of the future generation of leaders. But I, I was having difficulty with the fact that, in, and we weren't we weren't a small church, but we weren't a large church, sort of middle sized middle town kind of thing. Um, they were more concerned with the image of being a church that had many mission trips than they were the people across the street who were hungry 
and I knew they were hungry. And yes, I could take them food, and I did take them food, but I wanted to be able to help those people more than I wanted to take mission trips, and and that's we butted heads over that. A lot of places go that route. Uh, the idea of foreign lands and going to the South American continent and helping folks is very important, and it's good work. Mm-hmm. But like you say, uh, if you open your eyes, you can find things that need to be done in your own neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, that does cause conflict a lot of times in people's minds. Now, Anointed, uh, as I mentioned a little earlier, has a sequel, and it's already out there. And its title is Flutter. An epic of mass distraction. Now, what direction does Flutter take us? First of all, I'm sure you'll note that I am a fan of subtitles. Uh, (laughs) um, Actually, the the, the interesting thing is when I wrote Anointed, I I did not write it intending to write any more about Timothy Webb's universe. It just, it happened. You know, you get a publisher, they print the book, you get good reviews, and they say, give us another one. And you say, okay, because... Why wouldn't you? And so um, I explored, um, obviously, to avoid any kind of spoilers here, I I explored Timothy's path a little bit further beyond what happened in Anointed. And um, because I had already talked about Satan and and Anointed also introduces the idea of the Antichrist and, and such and so forth, I decided then to see, okay, well, in this universe, what does heaven look like? You know, and, and more importantly, um, what would happen if you took angels and got them addicted to social media? Okay. Now, the second book is titled Flutter, an Epic of Mass Distraction. Uh, what do you mean by the distraction? Well, exactly that. Um, Flutter is, is the angelic version of Twitter. And they happen upon it um, because of some rather dark and sinister plan that's put into place by angels who do not belong where they are. Um, but the distraction is the same distraction that we experience, probably even more so now than since when I wrote it, because you can't go anywhere now without seeing somebody's face planted in their cell phone. And and so the distraction is flutter. All right. Now, for those who go as far as to read the second book, which we hope you certainly will, Please. is that the conclusion of this subject in your mind? Was that the end of it? Um, it was meant to go on further than that. Unfortunately, the the publisher um, shut their doors for a multitude of reasons while I was in the middle of book three, which was <clears throat> continuing the story from there. So I, I actually still have a partial third book um, and um, some ideas for the the origin, telling the the story of the Satan character. From, from Anointed. Do you plan to continue with those? I would love very much to. Um, the, the main thing that I would need to do before doing that, since the small press is closed, is, is get Anointed and Flutter um, going again. You know, get okay. them in somebody else's hands so that I can then follow it up. What other plans do you have for Anointed and Flutter? Are there any movie deals in the works or anything of that nature? No, I did um, I, I did actually write a pilot script for um, what would have been a, a one-hour episode of a series for Anointed, which was um, a little bit of a departure. But, um, but I, I, I did that as much for my own entertainment as for, you know, the habit in case somebody asked. Okay. Again, the books are Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ, and Flutter, an Epic of Mass Distraction. And these books, folks, those who have their ears pinned back or their hackles up a little bit, these are very respectful 
journeys into the inner workings of the business of operating a church. And it is intended to start discussions. Absolutely. Are we going where we need to go? Are we reaching people we need to reach by doing this? And some folks have questions about that. Mm -hmm. Others may be quite satisfied with it. But still, the idea is to begin the discussions and hopefully to help. Right now, atmospheres are changing and things are happening within the country that hopefully uh, attendance will start to come back. People will migrate back and congregate together. We certainly hope and pray that to be the case. But a good discussion around what's going on never hurt anything. Absolutely. So that that's where we are with this. Uh, Zachary, would you tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about your books and more about you? Well, um, I, w- I would actually say that the, the easiest way is is going online. Um, there, there, you can still get anointed and flutter through the traditional sources of you know Amazon or even BarnesNoble.com, things like that. Um, the uh, the the idea, the possibility of it being in a bookstore at this point is is a little slimmer, if only because the small press is not printing anymore. But the copies do exist and can be ordered. Now, are they on Amazon? They are, yes. Okay. So Amazon is a good resource for that. And also, you have a website, a personal website. I do. It's, it's um, the really difficult ZacharySteel.com. Very good. And where do people reach out to you if they have comments or anything? Do you have an email address? I do have an email address. Um, again, attached to that website, it's just Zachary, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y dot Steel, S-T-E-E-L-E at ZacharySteel.com. Okay, very good. And we want folks to get out there and look into this, uh, read it, uh, discuss it with your family and your neighbors. and uh, Ask they, me uh, questions. I ask am, him questions, I exactly. I'd love to talk about it. The idea is not to criticize. The idea is to generate talk and to get people back thinking about their church and, and hopefully attending. And, and, you know, I am always open to learning. I, I remain that way, and I hope I always will. And somebody out there has got something to teach me. There you go. Now. You, you're not just a one-trick pony. You also have founded an organization of writers mm-hmm. that you refer to as the Broadleaf Writers Association. Correct. Now, when did that get started, and what is it all about? Um, it, 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 as far as the brain, it got started um, probably three years ago, but organizationally it got started um, about a year and a half ago when I went to uh, a handful of people that would inevitably become my board of directors uh, or the foundation of my board of directors. And um, the idea came from experiences I had had uh, with other writing organizations where I had – they're out of state, and I had um, – I had experienced what it's like to be a part of a community of writers, a group of people who were dedicated to um, teaching each other how to become better writers and to teach each other how to proceed in order to get published and what to do when you do. It's a a great organization, and I wanted to have that here. So um, being the entrepreneurial spirit that I am, I started it myself. Okay. How many members, roughly, do you have currently? Um, I, given that we're a new organization, um, we're, we're still lower in membership than we will be. Um, we're probably, I'd say, 60-plus members right now, which is not a bad number. Um, we had our first conference last year and had pretty decent attendance for a good uh, for our first year. How often do you meet as a group? 
Uh, we don't have standard meetings. What we've been doing is, uh, again, this being this, the second full year we've had, um, we, we do a series of things called writer's nights, which there's two to three per year, and they're, they're merely social events. We've had them at bookstores with food and drink and writers that are going to be part of the conference, like recognizable, you know, published authors that, that um, writers can come and talk to and network, socialize, and, and learn. So it's basically a support group? In that regard, it is. Okay. Uh, we will be introducing more workshops and um, programming throughout the year. Okay, very good. Uh, we're coming up on a break here. I want to make a, a special call out here to my listeners. There are a lot of good programming that's shown here on America's Web Radio. Next Wednesday, 12-6, I beg your pardon, we've been corrected here. That'll be Tuesday. Next Tuesday, December 6th, 2 p.m., the Greg Williams Program. He is going to have as his guest Steve Moore. Now, Steve is an economic expert. You've seen him all the time on Fox News. And he is going to be Steve's guest on the Greg Williams Program. That will be Tuesday, December 6th at 2 p.m. And we hope you'll listen for that. And right now, I'm Doug Dahlgren. Our guest here today on the prologue is Zachary Steele. And we're going to be back with more from Zach after these messages. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back with the prologue here on America's Web Radio. My name's Doug Dahlgren. We're glad you're listening. My guest today is Zachary Steele. He's brought us his book, Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ. And we've been talking about it, and we've moved on. We've been talking now about the association of writers that Zachary has formed about three years ago. He calls it the Broadleaf Writers Association. It's got about 60 members, which is not bad for three years. Uh... Zach, the stated purpose of this organization, as I read it, is to help writers to gain publication. Is that correct? 
Uh, that is certainly part of it. I, I think you know one of the things that I focus on the most is if you are a writer who wants to get published, the 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 very best thing you can do is learn how to write well. Um, the better you write, the better your chances. And so, all of our programming and our mission to, in in that regard is is geared toward giving writers more knowledge, giving them more understanding of the craft, giving them um, examples and opportunities in which to improve their writing. Okay. Well, now, with the stated goal and what you just said also, I'm going to assume that your services are directed mainly at self-published or new writers, people trying to get into this. Um, self, self-published is definitely a, uh, a large part of our industry now. Okay. Um, it's definitely on the rise, and I think more people are going to it as, as resources tend to grow. Um, I'm not strictly, or we are not strictly looking at self-published authors. Um, we, we would definitely like to be able to help self-published authors produce the best work they can so that when it goes into print, when it's gone through hopefully um, edits from an editor, um, that, that it is a good quality work. Uh, but but for others who are, are looking to pursue the more traditional route of publishing, we again, we want them to have all the tools that they need to have in order to achieve that goal. So this would be people who are sitting with a manuscript, maybe a handful of query letters, and not actually pull the trigger on self-publishing. Correct. Okay. A handful of query letters or, or for like for like the, the rest of us, uh, a handful of rejections. Yes. Well, that usually follows. Yes, it does. Uh, what, and you may have already answered this, but I want to ask it specifically, what main thing, besides perhaps writing correctly, would you say separate self-published writers from those who get those big traditional publishing contracts? Editing. The, the, not just the ability to self-edit or to revise, but the, um, the willingness to hand your book off to somebody else who has some expertise in editing. And whether, whether it's a friend, a family member, or somebody you're paying that has done this, um, to be able to help get your work to a point where um, it's, it's, it's something that people would be interested in reading from an industry standpoint because you've, you've worked through the problems. Um, or if you're self-publishing, you know, that, that it is actually ready to go into print. That's an area that a lot of folks, the new writers, um, can come back at somebody offering this service and, and say, well, who are you? What do you know? Uh, and, and there's something called a voice. I'm getting a little inside baseball. Mm-hmm. But editors can sometimes destroy a work mm-hmm. by changing the writer's voice. True. How do, you, how do you address that? How do you answer those concerns? I think there always has to be a delicate balance between writer and editor. First of all, the writer has to be open to the idea of revision. Um, even where I'm at right now, I mean, I got a very harsh email yesterday, or what, what I could consider to be harsh, because it was tearing into a, a piece of work that I was very proud of. But if I step back a moment and look at it, um, I can see that, okay, there's merit to this if I, if I actually accept it. So from the writer's standpoint, you have to be open to being edited. And also understand what you're trying to accomplish. And if you can understand what you're trying to accomplish, you will, you will be able to preserve your voice. I had, I had that with Anointed, you know, because it's very voice-driven. Um, but, but I had an editor who 
um, at least respected that enough to to listen to my counter arguments. Okay, and and like uh, Zach was saying, you know, voice is really what uh, readers look for, mm-hmm. and it, it's part of the continuity of a story. Right. If if that changes, if the style or whatever other name you want to put on it happens to change for a chapter or a couple of paragraphs, it can throw the reader mm-hmm. completely. So uh, editors are important. Have you noticed that different editors find different things? Now, it doesn't have to necessarily be a professional editor, but sometimes we use beta readers, and we'll put it out there. And it is, it's good to use as many as you can because they'll all find different things that are wrong. And collectively, they help you create a better document. But is that true with professional editors? Do they tend to look and specialize in certain areas? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I'll actually use an example rather than give a long-winded answer. At our conference, the Broadleaf Conference last year, we we did this panel called First Pages Critique, which is taking uh, writers had submitted their first pages, and we had a panel of three agents and three literary agents and a New York Times bestselling author who is uh, a master of the craft and teaches it. Um, and what we would do is we would read the first page. These four people, these four individual minds, would give their insights, and more often than not there would be four different perspectives and more than wanting the writer to learn how to improve their first page i wanted everybody in attendance to see that there are varying opinions based on personality based on perspective based on what kind of material you're interested in and it's it's invaluable to get multiple points of view on it and if you get consistent feedback you know, on say one character needs this, one character needs this, one character needs. If you're getting consistent feedback, then obviously there's there's an issue you need to work on. There are some who are concentrate mainly on grammar, others who concentrate on punctuation, the so-called comma queens. Mm-hmm. And there's always the, the argument over this needs a comma or it doesn't need a comma, and, and that goes on and on forever. But, but there's also things like formatting that are important that people who want to venture into self-publishing may or may not be aware of. Mm-hmm. And, and these are things that possibly don't affect their personal audience, the people who are their their friendship-based fan base. But formatting can be important if that book is being looked at down the road by somebody to you know, maybe to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So do you have folks that help them with that, the front matters and things of that nature? Yeah, I mean, actually, that's that's something that we're looking into doing for this particular upcoming conference is just doing a panel just strictly on, on formatting because – there, whereas you you may have people who have differing opinions on on style or voice or character, um, formatting is something that's very standard. And and um, most often, if you're if you're pitching your work to an agent or an editor or or to a small press, um, they're going to have submission guidelines that tell you. And almost ninety nine percent of them are going to say you know twelve point New York Times single spaced or double spaced some of them but um it, it's very important to learn those guidelines and to submit your work as exactly as they want it because they get so much material that they will push your work aside if you don't follow their guidelines Absolutely. whether content or not it doesn't really matter it may you may have written the best book ever but if you do it in some fancy font that's 10 point they're not going to read it it's very good points there are very many different types of publishing deals and different types of publishing houses out there. Um, tell the people what to look for. What uh, 
Describe some of the differences that are out there today, small houses versus Yeah, the big. I mean, it, it, obviously it's going to depend on what level press you're in. Um, for example, mine went through um, a small press, and small presses don't give advances. So if you're a writer who thinks, you know, you're going to get a big advance from a small press, you're not. You're, you're, you're going to – what they're going to do is they're going to pay to put your book in print. They're going to pay to send it to reviewers, and they're going to pay to try to sell it. And they're going to buy the ISBN so they get a part of the sales. They're going to buy the ISBN, of course, which which is necessary for it to get in bookstores. Um, but you know, you get to bigger presses. There's there's a better chance of getting an advance. Um, uh, the industry has changed so much since the economy crashed in 2008, 2009. Uh, there, it, it's very seldom that new writers get any kind of notable advance unless they have a, a large platform, meaning they they're active on social media and have hundreds of thousands of followers or their YouTube sensations or they're on TV or they're a recognizable force that already has an audience. There you go. Recognizable force. Name recognition. Mm-hmm. That's what gets the advance. Uh, most most of the smaller houses, in fact, there are, there's a cottage industry out there. Mm-hmm. There are people, you mentioned advance. There are uh, publishers who will take an advance from you uh, if you allow it. There's just all types of deals that are going on. And new writers, if somebody pats you on your head and tells you, oh, this is great, I want to help you get this printed, it's amazing what those folks will do. And uh, hopefully Broadleaf is cautioning them against mm-hmm. such as this. Um, how, do you, how do you caution inexperienced writers? Um, you had mentioned that some people would want an advance from you, and and I think without fail, any any writer who has spent any account any, any amount of time in the publishing industry will tell you if somebody is asking you to pay money to put your book into print, don't do it. Just there, there's, we don't even need to go any further than that. Um, vanity presses have been around for I mean I I remember them when I was a teenager and writing, and um, and what that means is is these are people who will who will take money from you. To put it into print and and sell you on the idea that they will be able to get you to a larger audience, or sell you on the idea that they will have a better quality book, when in fact, um, more often than not, that's not true at all. They just want your money. Yes. Now, Broadleaf offers seminars, webinars, so you can sit at home and look at it and converse. They also have peer groups. Now, what exactly does a peer group do? Um, peer group or also um, writing group, as 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 most of us refer to it, is um, it is a group of writers who share the material they're working on, um, and they give critique. and And this is where you want a writing group that's going to give you um, very solid critique. And I I hesitate to use the word harsh because you don't want it to be harsh, but sometimes it can be. Um, but you want a group of people who are going to give you honest feedback on on what you're writing because you as the writer are very, very ingrained in the words you're using, in the characters you have, in the story you have. And it's very difficult to see the book as a reader when you've spent so much time in the universe building it. In Broadleaf, how do you make sure that the folks who are participating are assured of the honesty that goes into these reviews because that's 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 the key if they think that you're just trying to manipulate them then you're not getting anywhere but you brought it up and that's a very important part how do you assure them 
that this is an honest critique? Well, with the writing groups, most of those are handled individually. Those aren't um, something through Broadleaf. But any time that we offer critique, uh, the first page is critique from the conference being one that, that I, I, I mentioned, you know, this critique is coming from um, from organizational standpoint. It's coming from writers who have not only um, achieved success in getting published – um, but are very highly reviewed, are currently teaching at other conferences, at colleges. or so. It is their business to talk about the, the finer points of writing. And so anything that, that runs through Broadleaf that is critique is, is always going to be with uh, people who do this for a living. Okay. So now, uh, are the peer groups a part of Broadleaf or...? No, we encourage people to form writing groups just because, okay. I mean, and, and, and a lot of writing groups are going to be anywhere from like, you know, three to six people, you know, right. just, just gathering uh, periodically how many ever uh, once, twice a month that you feel you need to. Okay. Um, but, you know, the only the only sort of peer group kind of things we do are our writers nights where we bring writers together and we talk about ideas and we just have a good time. So it's you not point really the way to do. these peer groups. We want to be the, we want to create this community that fosters okay. these. Very good. All right. Folks, we're here with Zachary Steele. We've been talking about his work and talking about his Broadleaf Writers Association, which he founded about three years ago. It is for new writers looking to get published and looking to better formulate their book, how to get their work noticed. We're going to be back with more from Zach after these messages. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we are back. Again, my name is Doug Dahlgren. We're here with Zach Smith on the pro... Zach Steele. I don't know where my brain is. Y'all have to excuse me. Uh, get dates wrong and everything else. But anyway, we're here with Zachary Steele. Zachary has a book out called Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ, and its sequel, Flutter, 
an epic of mass distraction. These books are about the business of religion, and folks, they are not uh, as you might turn your back on initially and think. They are to generate discussions of how important church is to each of us and why we should rethink, and perhaps, if we're not going, maybe get back in there. Uh, we've also been talking about his Writers Association. Writing and the quality of work is very important to Zach. We've been talking about what Broadleaf Writers Associates offer, and uh, we were talking about peer groups and also these seminars and other things. I want to ask you, Zach, tell us, how does Broadleaf differ from all the other seminars and all the other groups and things that are out there for writers to attend? The the main difference just comes back to um, the craft of writing. We, we are the only organization that focuses entirely upon uh, the craft of writing and trying to teach writers to become better at what they do. And and, and though there is a, a component of bringing agents in, um, we, we really try to focus on um, any genre that you write, any style that you write, and, and bring in notable writers, because Georgia has a lot of them, um, to teach you how to become better at what you do, what you specifically do. Okay. Writers... They, they must be able to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. That's probably foremost. If you can't tell a good story, knowing all the rules aren't going to help a lot. Mm-hmm. But uh, they also have to know what the editors at these publishing houses are looking for. And you said earlier that if you've got the format wrong or the font wrong or anything like it can give them reason because of that big stack of manuscripts coming in. It can give them cause to set yours aside, and you don't want to do that. So rather than looking down your nose at some of these folks offering suggestions, there are groups out there like Broadleaf who are worthy of you listening and paying attention to make sure your work is presented in a way that your story will be heard Mm -hmm. because that's what we're all about. We want to be understood. Um, does Broadleaf, who can join Broadleaf? Anybody can join Broadleaf. And, and what we have is a, an annual membership, which is $40. And, and um, in addition to giving you discounts on registration fees, um, you know, inside information and, and invites to VIP events, which we will be adding in the future, we did something that nobody else has done before um, that I've heard anyway in, in my talks with other writing groups. And that's we, we did audio recordings of the conference in um, in one of the main rooms that we had. And if you are a member of Broadleaf, you actually have access to those files. And so you can go back and listen to these panels over and again and learn and learn um, just because you're a member of the organization. And so it's, it's, it's open to anybody, and we try to make it as beneficial as possible. Okay. How do folks reach out to you for the organization? How do they find out more? Um, you can use the emails from me personally. You can use the emails uh, that I gave earlier, or um, I also obviously run the the organizational email, which is just um, right now. It's just broadleafwriters at gmail.com. Okay. I want to change, uh, change tracks a little bit here. Okay. We've got a few minutes left this morning. Uh, you have made a departure from the world of satire mm-hmm. with a book that you're finishing up, I understand, getting close to, to getting that put out. Uh, you call it The Storyteller and the Shadow Heart of Darkness. Correct. 
this is a fantasy, and it's pointed at what you describe as middle grade. Mm-hmm. Now, for folks who are not really familiar with that term, what is it, junior high level? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's traditionally ages 8 to 14. Okay, so this is a fantasy a la Harry Potter, or what are we talking Correct. about? Correct, yeah, yeah, in that same genre. Um, and, and I try to write it, so, because I am, I am a child at heart, I try to write it so that it's not only fun to read for kids, but it's also great for adults as well. Okay. Offer us a teaser. What can you tell us is coming? It's about a young boy who has a, a favorite series of books that, that he's very fond of. He reads them over and over and over, and he loves the world. It's, it's his only escape from a very terrible situation he's in, um, who discovers that the world is real and that he was actually born there and has been hidden away um, until now uh, to be brought back to help save it from a growing darkness. So it, it speaks to all of us who read books as a kid and just wished we could be there. You know, I read Charlotte's Web and just I wanted to be on the farm. I wanted to see Wilbur. I wanted to talk to Charlotte. Um, and this young boy has the opportunity to go into a world of characters that he loves and try to save it. Very good. When do you expect this to be released? Um, yeah, I, I finished it and um, is certainly going through edits, and I'm trying to find a home for it because um, uh, it wouldn't have fit with my small press before anyway. But this one has to have a this one has to have a different publisher. So. Okay, all right. So, listeners, uh, those of you particularly who have the younger uh, junior high types out there, the storyteller and the shadow heart of darkness. It's coming soon from Zachary Steele, so I want you to look out for that. I understand, like most writers, there's a pipeline, there's something going out, and there's also something that you're starting with. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a new book coming. Mm -hmm. What is that? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, and this this will speak to a point of advice I give to writers, which is... um, you know, know what you want to write, know what you love to write, but also stay open to the fact that you may need to write other things as well. And so I, I started my career with the, the satirical work, um, which is called it's called speculative fiction, which is real world fantasy, basically. And so the, the book that I'm working on now is called Writer's Block, which is in that same in that same genre. It's more fantasy than anything else. And it is it is about a world of about a world that is run by writers. And um, needless to say, they they have much better ideas than they do execution. Okay, all right. What more can you tell us about that? Anything else? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the idea of um, the world being run by uh, a group called the Literati, which is the uh, literary fiction. Um, and and though they 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 controlled it for a long time, there have been factions that have broken off, wanting to get their work into different genres. But the Literati wouldn't allow such a thing. Okay, so this will be called Writer's Block. Is that a working title? Or that, is, that is a working title. Uh, you never know how things are going to go, but um, that's where I'm at right now. Outstanding. With the time running down, I want to talk to you a little bit about your day job. Okay. Because please. everybody has something Gotta to pay, pay the bills. bills. That's exactly right. Now, you work with the Georgia Center for the book. Yes. That is no small thing. No. Uh, please tell the listeners out there uh, who may not be aware exactly what that is. The, um, the Georgia Center for the book is the state arm for the National Center for the Book, which is out of D.C. at the Library of Congress. Every state has a center for the book. Um, most of them are through universities because um, you have to have a, a larger organization host you. We are one of nine nationally that are hosted by a library system, and we are hosted by the DeKalb County Library System, um, or DeKalb County Public Library. And um, we are based in the Decatur branch. Um, and what we do is we um, we... we 
We run um, over 100 author events per year, which are either run out of Decatur Library or around Atlanta. We are the host organization for the Georgia Literary Festival, which moves around the state. We run two different student competitions, which can be art, poetry, or writing letters to um, favorite authors and books that inspired them. And basically anything else that we can get our mitts into in the literary world of Georgia. We're actually one of the most active in the state, and our executive director is um, one of the most unique and incredible people I've had the privilege of knowing. Oh, that's always good. That helps a lot. Now, what are your duties there? I'm the program assistant there, so um, it, 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 is a, it is a glorified way to say I am assistant to the executive director, but I like the title program assistant. That's what they gave me, so yay. But, um, but yeah, my, my, my job is to, to help the executive director implement work, and um, I actually run one of the student competitions um, and, and take care of all of, its, um, all of its stuff. Okay, student competitions. What other programs are involved? What other programs are the student competitions? Well, with, with the Georgia Center for the Book. Uh, I mean, uh, what I listed is actually quite a lot for two people to have to handle. Um, we're always looking for new things to do, and we do have our 20th anniversary coming up, so we hope to be able to have great celebrations attached to that as well. Okay. And again, you mentioned you're located in the Decatur Library building? Correct. Yeah, okay. we are actually have a small office on the third floor of the Decatur Library. All right. Now... Tell the folks again where they can learn more about you, your books, and, of course, Broadleaf. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, ZacharySteel.com is my website, which um, has my blog attached to it. Um, and though it may be a little bit unattended for the last few months because of our conference that we had with Broadleaf, um, it is it is filled with years' worth of blogging and um, information about me. Uh, Broadleaf is just BroadleafWriters.com, and again, it, it gives you a lot of information about what we are, who our board of directors is, um, what we're trying to accomplish, information about the conference this year. We'll have more information about 2017 programming. Um, and um, if you're interested in Georgia Center for the Book, georgiacenterforthebook.org. It's a great organization, and if you love author events, they are, they are one of the best at doing it. Very good. Anything exciting coming up? Any personal appearances or any uh, seminars or anything you've got on? I will be honest, Doug. I have been so wrapped up in Broadleaf. Every appearance I make is Broadleaf. So if, if, if something is happening with Broadleaf, that's where I'm going to be. All right. Well, again, the question. Anything coming up that we need to know about? Um, we are hitting that lull with the holiday season coming okay. up. But we will start our Writers' Nights programs again um, in February. And then we hope to add programming in the spring. So um, as far as Broadleaf is concerned, we don't have any programs until February. All right. Very good. Well, we'll look forward to that. Zach, uh, it's been a great great fun to have you here this morning. Yes, Is there anything you can think of that we haven't covered that you would like to bring out? No, I think you I think you really you really hit everything that I have going on in my life. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's wrapped into to writing one way or the other. So, um, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed being here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Well, we thank you for coming in. It's been a pleasure having you as a guest here. Zachary Steele has been a terrific guest. Anointed, The Passion of Timmy Christ is the book, and we hope everybody listening is going to go out and order theirs today. Now, listeners, tell all your friends about the show. We want you to tell them how they can listen to the free podcast by simply clicking on the links at americaswebradio.com. Look for the prologue, and you'll find all the shows listed reversed chronological order there. Now, if you or any of uh, person you know would like to be a guest on a future prologue, be sure to email me at Doug at AmericasWebRadio.com or Doug at DougDahlgren.com. Tell me a little bit about what's going on, and we'll get you on board. 
That's it for this hour. Listen, it has been terrific. Again, I thank each and every one of you for listening to the prologue. So for myself, again, I'm Doug Dahlgren. And for our guest today, Zachary Steele, I want to say be good to yourselves and each other. Read a book. If not one of Zachary's, maybe you'll pick one of mine. And I'll see you all again in just 167 hours. Take care. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.